Welcome to Messengers of Christ. Today, we are discussing lukewarm Christianity and finding joy in God with Scott Grant, a teaching pastor and elder at PBC Church in Palo Alto, California. Mark 10.5, which is saying, um, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it. So could you tell us more why it would be essential to rejoice and have joy in God in daily life? Well, I think if, when, if you begin with that verse, uh, receiving the kingdom of God like a child, receiving the kingdom of God with, with humility. Uh, if you look at children, you see that they're able to receive things with humility and uh, with and out of that humility comes joy, right? It's just a, just a natural thing for uh, children to see things and, and, and rejoice in things and delight in things. Uh, I'm looking at my backyard right now, and I remember when we were first looking at this house, there were some grapes that were growing and my two-year-old daughter looked at those grapes and she ran back at me with this exciting discovery. She was filled with joy and she couldn't pronounce grapes. And she said, gapes, gapes. She just wanted me to know that the gapes were out there at this place. And she had no idea where she was or anything like that. But you could see that that unbridled joy with just this simple thing, this simple uh, ability to observe what was going on and to delight in um, the, 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 the growth of grapes, which is perhaps something she had never seen before. Um, so I think that, yeah, that the humility of receiving things as a child, I think the older you get, oftentimes the more defensive you get, there are good reasons for that um, because it's a scary world and there are all sorts of threats out there, but the children really don't understand that yet. <laughs> And uh, that's why they need parents and adults to protect them in a lot of ways. But um, when it comes to receiving Jesus, when it comes to receiving God, he is uh, good and beautiful in an un unadulterated way. And then we can receive uh, the Lord with joy and we can receive all of the great things that he does with joy. We can look at grapes with joy. I'm looking out at my uh, uh, oranges that are growing on the on the tree. I can look at those with joy as well. I can listen to the birds. Jesus says, uh, "Consider the birds of the field," and uh, all sorts of things that are that are happening, sort of in daily life that we can really look at uh, in the physical world and and understand in the spiritual world. There are all sorts of things happening behind the scenes that we can uh, perceive and look at and see and receive with joy as coming from God. Right. Yeah. So that's a good point. He created those birds too. So that's, oh, that's a good reminder. Like looking at nature, trees, birds, and thinking, wow, God created that. Yeah. And, and when, you see, when you see something that is created, it should tell you something about the creator, right? And so if the world has been created by God and everything in it, uh, it, it offers endless opportunities to explore the goodness and power of God. Yeah. So everything's just leading back to the creative creator we have. That's right. So now I want to talk about more serious subject, lukewarm Christians, which, um, yeah. Could you tell us more about what a lukewarm Christian is and how could that be dangerous? Yeah, well, that, that, that experience, uh, lukewarm, comes from uh, the book of Revelation, um, where Jesus says, you're neither hot nor cold. And um, I think that uh, 
a, a, a true relationship with God will eventually result in a, uh, a, a more fervent, more um, passionate sort of relationship with, with God, if it's true and if the spirit is there. And um, I think if it just stays sort of at the surface level for one's whole life, that there could be a question about whether actually one knows the Lord or not. If someone is just going to church uh, uh, decade in, decade out, and it really doesn't do anything for that person, uh, that person may be deceived into a place of just thinking, well, this is all I have to do. This is what God expects of me, just to do the, the few rote types of uh, things in, in life uh, that he supposedly requires of me. But that's not obviously what God is after. And you can easily be deceived into thinking that you're in the kingdom when you're not, because you're just doing the things that you think God wants you to do. But that's not, God doesn't want you to do certain things. God wants you to have a relationship with him. And out of that relationship with him, then you do certain things. It's not the certain things that sort of get you in, uh, right? Uh, God's not interested in good people. God's interested in a relationship with him whose goodness is a deep sort of goodness that comes out of a relationship with him. And so um, this lukewarm type of experience that some experience, uh, it's that they keep it all at a surface level because maybe they're really afraid of something that's deeper, something that actually does require something more of them and something, something deeper. And as we go deeper with the Lord, as we have a deeper relationship with him, um, so that taps into some pretty deep things of God uh, in, in which we are uh, acting out of that place, acting out of the heart, acting out of the, uh, the place where God dwells in that deep place. And so those are the kinds of actions that God is interested in, not uh, simply doing things that we think might please him when actually a relationship with him is what pleases him. So that's it right? It's a relationship. If you have a relationship with Christ, a real relationship with Christ, you're not going to be lukewarm. If you have sort of a, if you deceive yourself into thinking you have a relationship with him and it means really nothing to you other than doing a few surface actions along the way, then you probably have concern to examine whether you actually have a relationship with Christ or not, and whether you would be something along the lines of a lukewarm non-believer. Yeah. And that's the thing I actually think is different between Christianity and many religions because you can't earn your salvation. You, by works, you can't earn your salvations or your salvation in Christianity. It's um, your work should be out of love for God first. And yeah, I think that's a that's a really good observation. Every other sort of approach to God or the gods is uh, based on what you do for God or the gods, and that gets you some sort of approval, perhaps. And you can never quite know whether you have that approval or not, where in the, 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 the faith that the scriptures espouse, it's what's been done for you, right? It is God has come to earth. It is Christ who has died on the cross for you. And then it is, it is up to us simply to receive then what God has done. And then if you receive that, that's going to have a transforming effect in your life. Yeah. So if you receive it, then that will make you love him and make you want to do the works. That's right. And yeah, I kind of think of lukewarm Christians as like milk. You want, most people want hot milk or cold milk, but then like milk in the middle between hot and cold. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not so appealing, is it? Yeah. Not <laughs> so appealing. And I think another part about lukewarm Christians is, um, 
indulging in sin like we're all going to sin but then since jesus hates sin the most then we should at least out of love for him try to resist uh all sin we can so yeah i i agree with that and as i i will often say is well how how do you how do you resist sin sin is offering you something and and there is a there are certain pleasures to sin but really in, in the reality is that god is offering something better um, so you turn away from the lesser desire and you turn to the, the greater desire, right? And, uh, and that's how you defeat sin as opposed to uh, kind of just struggling so hard against it. You have to realize that God is offering you something so much better. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Definitely. Um, I kind of think that sin is um, short-term empty pleasures while God is like eternal. Yeah. That's right. And yeah, that's one of the great things about the pleasures of God is that they last forever. Yeah. And Romans 6.15 too, um, Jesus died on the cross so we could be free from sin, not free to sin. There you go. So I thought that was, right. yeah. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. So, okay, next question. So you have a Hooked in the Heart series where you are you know, seeking God in everyday life and trying to find joy and be attentive to God's creative and captivating ways that hook your heart. So how did you and how can we um, find joy in the Lord and be more attentive to him in our busy daily lives? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I'm, for me, it begins in the morning every day. There's a big thing in the scriptures, morning and evening, right? Do you begin the day, you end the day. How do you begin it? How do you end it? Well, um, what I, what I do probably almost every morning when I get to it is I have a time with the Lord in the beginning of the day in which I am praying and I am seeking him. I'm reading the scriptures. I'm offering myself to him. And um, so I think it's the, you know, spiritual practices sort of groom the person to be aware. Um, we're, we're trying to become the kind of people, right, that God wants us to be. And it is God who makes us into that. But we have to cooperate with, uh, by offering ourselves to him. So a key thing that I do at the beginning of the day is I, as I offer myself to the Lord uh, every morning, I say, here I am, um, and I'm, I'm yours. I belong to you. And along those lines, I, I ask him to make me aware, to make me aware of his presence and his actions throughout the day, to make me sensitive. Because uh, sort of... A, on my own, I'm really not. So I need, uh, I need help uh, along those lines. So, um, you know, when, when all else fails, ask, right? Uh, so, uh, and I, so I begin the day by asking the Lord to make me aware. So then it helps me on, on the one hand. And, and on the other hand, what also has, what also helps me is sort of the experience I have had in life through the years of when God has made me aware and I've taken note of, of who he is and what he's doing or some of the small things, some of the big things that gives me so much joy that it makes me want to keep doing that. Uh, so I'm kind of maybe just a little bit predisposed by experience from having seen the greatness and the goodness and the love of God, which has given me so much joy. I also try to pay attention to uh, sort of my own particular story because I, I think we're all living a story. 
And, uh, and God's the author of that story. And as with all good stories, there are plot twists and there are seeds planted and then the, those seeds come to fruition. And uh, there's something that happens in one chapter and then something happens in a later chapter that reminds you of the earlier chapter. So I, I try to be attentive to, to sort of the story that I'm living and to recognize that there's an author of the story and that author is not me. So um, that helps me too, thinking that I'm in a, and I'm in the middle of a story and that my story is part of this much bigger story, which is really the whole huge story of God and humanity and creation, which God is uh, bringing about uh, a redemption in that story so that ultimately we're going to end up in a new creation and with new bodies and all of that. So that, that's a captivating big story. And to think that I'm caught up in that big story I think is really helpful. And if I can see these little aspects or these little chapters or marks or whatever that make me, remind me that I'm part of this bigger story, that can be helpful also. Yeah, amen to that. And yeah, God has a plan for everyone. And adding on to your point of looking back on everything God's done for us, sometimes even I catch myself doing this is we tend to dream more of the future and want more of the future, but don't go back in time and revisit the things God has already blessed us with. So, Yeah, I think there's a balance sort of between, uh, you know, you don't want to live in the past. You don't want to live in the future. You want to live in the present. But I think there, there's, a, there, there's an aspect of sort of everything being compressed into the present, past and, and, and future. So we know where we've, you know, we, we can know where we've come from. We know we're part of the story. And so we can revisit the past in a way that gives us joy and delight and reminds us that if it's really good, those good parts, it's only just going to get better, right? Those good parts are going to be enhanced uh, in, the, in the new creation. And so I think we have a great vantage point in the present to both look back and to look forward, and therefore for the present to be really charged with the, pres uh, with the presence of God. Yeah. Amen. Uh, thank you for joining me on this podcast, and that should wrap it up. You are very welcome, Joshua. It's been a pleasure. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast.